cool. So, faith is this huge topic that was like, oh, I've already mentioned to you guys, but like it absolutely changed my life. Like I literally went to church for like 26, 26 years. And this is like halfway through last year, 26 years. And I knew in my heart there was something missing. You guys know that feeling? Just like, I agree with this. I, I love the Bible. I love Jesus, but there's something missing. Don't know what it is. And I feel like me even thinking that is wrong. Do you guys feel that way as well? I totally felt that. I thought that those thoughts in my head were actually the devil trying to make me think. Like, oh, you're trying to stray away from, from the church, trying to stray away from the Bible, blah, 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 blah. That was actually like, I think my spirit speaking to me, being like, don't you want more? Don't you want, you know, don't you want to see God? Don't you want to know God? And I would quieten that voice, voice down because that stuff doesn't happen these days, you know what I mean? But I reckon looking back on that in, in hindsight, that was totally Holy Spirit putting on my heart deep, deep, deep desires so that He could lead me into them. Does that make sense? And, and the point where, like there's obviously billions of things leading up to that point where I just lost my mind. But the big point was like faith and understanding that the reason I didn't see a lot of God in my life or maybe any of God in my life is because I didn't believe him at his word. I would read it and be like, that's an interesting passage. I wonder what so-and-so um, preacher says about this. Go listen to a sermon on that and then go to work and just nothing would change my life. Because I didn't receive his word like it was God's word, like it was the most powerful thing in existence. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, so I'm going to talk tonight about faith like I told you guys last week. And if, if you feel in any way that this topic is hard to hear or you need a bit more clarity first or it's a bit condemning, you feel crap because you see other people walking in faith but you haven't got there yet, people you know, bringing all these healing testimonies and whatever and you're not seeing anyone healed, if you have those thoughts coming into your head, I'd encourage you to go listen to last week's talk if you haven't heard it on hope and just start with a simple desire, hoping, wishing, longing that God would do something. Just start there. And then let it build and see what happens. But yeah, tonight we're going to talk about faith. And it's such a huge topic. I'm probably going to take, I imagine, at least three weeks on this topic because it's so big and there's so much controversy about it. So we'll take it easy. We'll take it slow. We'll knock out any of your questions if you have any. Um, preferably, I'll just say this up front. If you do have any questions about stuff like healing and miracles, those are usually the questions that come up. Let's... Let's hold those until at least the third week that I speak on this because people just want to know about the, like, Nate, tell me how to change my life. Tell me how to get in a relationship. Tell me how to, you know, make money. Tell me how God's going to bless me. Tell me all the, they want to skip the, the, the meat of it and go straight to like day-to-day stuff. But you watch, and I was just chatting to Jazz about this a second ago, that you, you, what, you read in the New Testament, you open up one of Paul's letters, <coughs> He always starts with theology and concepts and ideas, talking about your righteousness and what Jesus did for you and um, sin and death and grace and life and whatever. Then later on, he says stuff like obey your parents or like be a good worker or (laughs) very, very practical day-to-day stuff and never switch those around. If you switch those around, you will end up in religion. Guarantee it. Does that make sense? If you start with practical, just tell me what to do, Nath, and you start just doing, you're going to end up in a cycle of, I'm going to do to get, 
rather than I am so I do. That's why he starts with he preaches your identity, he preaches who you are in Jesus, then you receive it, and then he goes, now here's what that looks like if you're a little bit confused. Never a requirement, never a, come on, why aren't you doing this? It's always, I just, I just spent three chapters telling you how you're the righteousness of God, how Jesus destroyed sin on the cross, how he's given you new life, and you're a new creation, so put on the new self, all this sort of stuff in the New Testament, and then he goes, so be a good worker. So give money to the poor. So blah, blah, blah. you know what I mean? He starts with that. So I'm starting with that too. I'm starting with concepts and ideas. Some people don't really deal well with that. They just want to know, okay, what do I do, Nathan? And I will try and give practical things every single week. But on the overall, we're going to lay a foundation. Otherwise, years from now, you'll build your foundation on something else and it'll be off and you'll, and you'll know it's off, but you won't know how to deal with it and then the whole thing will crumble and you walk away. I've seen so many people do that and I did that myself. Built it on the wrong foundation. The I built it on the sand, tower fell. It's inevitable. So let's build it on this really, really, really strong rock. Take time, there's no rush. Let's just like tackle these topics, build on it, and let's just watch what happens as you actually really spend time soaking in these really conceptual foundational ideas of like things that might seem kind of almost boring at first, like righteousness. Like how long can you preach on righteousness for? Like if you think that's a boring word, like, oh man, just wait till we get into that. That'll be good. But like, and then faith and hope and truth and all these things, like that will build your foundation so, so, so strong and you won't be moved if you believe it. If you, take, if you, if you receive it and you keep walking in it, you won't be moved. And it's an amazing thing. Oh man, I haven't even got to my notes yet. So it's just the intro it's for free. Um... <laughs> um I hear so many people, and I fully get this, but I hear it a lot, pray for me that I would have peace. Pray for me that I would have faith. Pray for me that I would have love. And that's not a bad thing to pray, but I can tell some people who pray that want the feeling of peace and want the feeling of love and want the feeling of faith and want the feeling of God with me. Now, just take peace as an example, right? I would much rather have... Imagine this, imagine your heart is like, you're not at peace, you're just, you're not content with life. Your heart's like a raging storm, right? Waves crashing everywhere, going nuts. And that's how you feel on the inside. I would much rather have a peace that I don't feel at all, but it's actually calmed my heart down. So it's just smooth every single day, rather than have a night of amazing presence of God. And I feel peaceful because I've forgotten about everything else. But then the second someone makes fun of me for my appearance or second someone says something about um, my wife or, you know, anything that I could be insecure about, the peace leaves. So it was counterfeit. It was not real. It didn't have depth and it couldn't last the test of time. Does that make sense? Don't pray for the feeling. <laughs> like feelings are freaking amazing and I want the feelings. Let's be honest. We all want the feelings, right? They're not bad. <laughs> they just suck compared to the actual thing. They make really, really bad gods. Like, yeah, but they're so, so powerful. But you're made for more than that. Anyway, that was also for free. Let's get started. Um, so I was hanging out with a friend a few weeks ago. We were just like eating sushi. It was just good times. And um, we're just chatting about God and he's a Christian, but he's um, sort of struggling with some stuff. And I was trying to help, like, you know, when you try to help someone, you just try to encourage them and then you end up throwing all these different ideas at them and just like, yeah, yeah, I know, 
I agree. It's just like clearly it's not happening. It's just not hitting them. It's just like, man, what do I do here? Like, I just, what I usually do is I just keep throwing. And eventually one hits, I'm just like, yes. And that's what happened this night. So um, I legit threw like 10, 20 truth bombs at, at my friend. And he was just like, yeah, cool, thanks, cheers, appreciate it, pray for me, whatever. And then I threw this last, like, last ditch effort grenade. It just went, exploded in his face. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, and he was like, his face changed and his composure changed and the atmosphere around us changed. And I was like, oh, that was it. Whatever, whatever I just said, that was it. And he goes, dude, that really encouraged me. That really encouraged me. And sometimes you just got to keep throwing until you hit because you never know. Or you can just listen to God and let him tell you. Either or. <laughs> um, they're both good. Um, but what, what I said to him was, I was kind of talking a bit about faith and trust and all these different things. And I go, I could kind of tell that he'd heard it all before what I was saying. You guys chat to people like that where it's like, I almost feel like I just want to speak to you. You've heard this all before. I've got to say it in a new way so you rethink it. Because the, the idea is there and it's the answer, but you don't know it's the answer. So I've got to make you rethink about it so you realize it's the answer. It's not anything extra. It's just, it's always a simple gospel, but sometimes you've heard it, so you block yourself out to it. Anyway, so I said to him, dude, what would it look like, like if you really, truly, actually trusted God? Like every single word that he said that was in the Bible, what, how would you talk? And how would you sleep at night? And how would you go to work? And how would you, when you look at your bank account online, how would you react? Do you know, do you, how would you breathe? How would you think? Like, when you start thinking like that, you're like, man, I actually, I don't know if I trust God in a lot of areas of my life. Because it, like, you, you trust God, like, it shows that you trust God through your life and your actions, right? Not by your words. Because I can say, yeah, I trust God for finances. And the next day, I wake up and get a bill and be like, frick, um, what would I do? Call my parents, mom, I need some money, please help me. Just say, I don't trust God with that stuff. Obviously I don't, otherwise I wouldn't have done that. Does that make sense? So, and the reason I bring that story up is, um, firstly, because you always need a good story to connect with people when you do a sermon. So it's just like, hopefully that, hopefully that worked. And if, if you guys ever want to preach one day, um, you should also do the same thing because it's really effective. <laughs> no, I was kidding. Um, but seriously. <laughs> Um, second reason is, is because as much as has been said about faith, I want to try and strip it back. I've had, I've had simplicity on my heart for the past, in a grand sense, this past couple years, but in a real strong sense of part these past couple weeks, that the gospel really, 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 really is simple. And if you are overwhelmed by any topic, that's more the devil than the Bible being confusing. Does that make sense? Like your mind is your biggest asset. And if, if the enemy can throw thoughts um, into your mind that are going to make you start questioning things and overthinking things and analyzing things and being like, oh, I don't know if, blah, blah, blah. Like your mind is like your, your, your greatest weapon. is just like almost ineffective. And so it's like, and Paul, Paul says this in Second Corinthians. He goes, I want you to keep in the simplicity of Christ, simplicity of the gospel. It should be simple. It should be really basic enough so that a child could get it. Because Jesus says to, to these, the children, the kingdom belongs. 
So if you're thinking about stuff on a day-to-day -day basis, that's like, you've really only got there in the past few years since you like gained maturity and you grew up a little bit and you're, not long, you're, not, you're no longer thinking about the simple things. And simple is not basic. Simple is like, can be really deep. But yeah, does that make sense? If you're not thinking about those simple things like love and God loves me or like Holy Spirit lives in me, like these are very, sim very simple things to understand. Like complex when you start to go into it, like what does it look like Holy Spirit lives in me? But a simple idea, right? Like a, a kindergartner could understand that. So let's just try and keep it really, really simple. And I'll start simple with faith and I, I probably will get a little bit more in depth as we go on. But I just think there's been so much said about like faith and believing and, and declaring and authority and um, healing and miracles. And if you believe, why didn't you have enough faith? You let that person down, they died because all these things that come up, right? It's super controversial. Let's just keep it really, really simple and we'll see what happens from there. Does that sound good? Awesome. Okay, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter four. And don't feel condemned if you didn't bring a Bible, it's not a requirement. And I've got a spare one here if anyone wants. It's Keenan's birthday present. Anyone want a Bible? It's Keenan's birthday present. I thought it was going to be tonight. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> can, you, can you give it to him when you go home? Um, yeah, Matthew chapter 4. Just before we start reading, I just want to say, yeah, like that, that whole story that I just told you about my friend. Um, and, it, and in the process of trying to keep things simple, faith is, and this will be the big idea of this talk, so if you write notes, write this down. Faith is trusting God. Faith is trusting God. That's it. Doesn't get more complex, doesn't get less complex, like it could get less complex. Faith is, he said it, it's got to be. <laughs> That's it. We can go home. <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's, that, it's, it's not hard. Practicing it and relearning how you think, that might be a, more of a process. But faith at the end of the day, and don't let anyone tell you that it's not this, faith is just trusting God. I trust what he says. And I'm not, I'm not trusting what I say he says. And I'm not trusting what others say he says. I'm not trusting what a book written about the Bible says that he says. I'm not, when I pray for someone, I'm not trusting the words that I just spoke and how authoritatively I said them. <laughs> Rah, you know what I mean? No, it's not trusting God. That's not faith in God. Faith is trusting God. It's so simple, right? That's, it's literally not going to get more complex than that tonight. So if you like simplicity, this is your night. But I'm just going to show you how easily we take such a simple concept like that and we don't do it. And we all don't do it. <laughs> and I've got three reasons why we don't do it tonight. And there's probably 10 billion more, but we'll just pick on three tonight. Um, and that will help you to see how you are normally thinking in your day-to-day -day life and then how you can start to think. Repentance, when, when they say in the Bible, repent, it literally means change the way you think. That's it. It's not like this, oh God, please. Like he has forgiven you. 
you are cleansed of all sin. Th these are Bible verses. Like, all unrighteousness, you are cleansed of all unrighteousness. You are forgiven. You are saved. Repent is change the way you think. Does that make sense? So when, when Peter preaches in Acts 3, 3,000 people are like, oh my gosh, we want, it. we want this. And they, it says they were cut to the heart and they go, brother, what should we do? And he goes, repent and be baptized. Literally what that means, change the way you think and die to yourself. That's what baptism is a symbol of, right? You die and you, and you make a new creation. So change the way you think, die to yourself, become a new creation. There you go. You're in. <laughs> Seriously, that's it. I feel like we've, we've almost, we've strayed a little bit from that. You know what I mean? When we, we just say, do you want Jesus in your heart? Yes, okay, pray a prayer. Where's repent and get baptized? That should be in there, I think. It's pretty important to those guys. Anyway, I'm off track again. Uh, Matthew chapter 4. Whew. Read with me, starting from verse 1. The temptation of Jesus. That's what the title of my Bible says temptation of Jesus. Just so you know, those titles aren't actually in Scripture. People added them. So, just so you know, it's not always correct. <clears throat> it's not inspired. I've read some of them. I'm just like, that's not what that passage is talking about. Anyway. Um, <laughs> legit. So, it, it threw me off for a while. It literally did. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then I'm in, I'm in ESV, by the way, if you're, if you're on an app. Um, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Stop. So, last week I said, Jesus was sent to earth, God's son, sent to earth to destroy the works of the devil. He didn't start his ministry till how old? 30. Yeah, and we're almost all of us are younger than 30. So, we can... Almost. Almost all of us. <laughs> but that's okay. It's not, it's not a magic number, you know what I mean? It's just like, the point is, we rush and we try and go, Oh, I'm 23. It's just like, it's cool. It's cool. It's all right. Anyway, I said that last week, um, just to remind you. So this is just after um, Jesus' initiation into his ministry. So he's wandering in the desert. He sees John the Baptist. John the Baptist goes, that's the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world. And then uh, Jesus walks up to John. John says, I can't even untie your sandals. That's how much above me you are. But then Jesus humbles himself and goes, no, you baptize me. He gets baptized. The heavens open. God says, this is my son, whom I am well pleased. And then the Spirit of God comes down. And in, in John's gospel, it says, and it remained on him. And it was a dove that came down. It remained on him. So a dove flew down, stood on his shoulders, and stayed there. <laughs> that's what it said. And so, that's literally what's just happened in the previous verse. You can read it there yourself. The next verse. Then, straight away, Jesus was led up by who? The Spirit. For what? Into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Anyone else find that? Interesting. Bloody weird. <laughs> I, I do. Um, the, like the Holy Spirit, first thing he did, lead him into the, into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Like Holy Spirit knew exactly what was going on. I don't know. It's kind of funny, isn't it? I, I personally think what's going on here, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot going on here, but I feel like whenever you get initiated for ministry or you, you find yourself in a place of ministry, like you need to actually go through a time of testing and trials in a sense, 
um, to be tempted by God, uh, sorry, be tempted by the devil so that, how do I word this? The beauty of God and being in relationship with him is that you might not be in relationship with him. And that's what makes it beautiful. So for example, if I, before I'm married, but before I was married, if I was going after my now wife and I was like, I really want you to be my wife, but she had no other choice, like in a country where it's an arranged marriage, it's really not that beautiful. Like it's not romantic at all. And I wouldn't feel that loved or encouraged or supported because she had literally no other choice. She was stuck with me. But the fact that she can choose anyone and then chose me is like, whoa, okay, I get that. You really do want me. Genuinely from your heart, you've chosen me and I trust that and I choose you as well. I think that's what's going on here. The beauty of relationship with God is that you might be following the devil or you could be following his, the enemy's ways. Does that make sense? It's more beautiful that you could be tempted, but now you've chosen God and your heart genuinely, as far as you know, wants God. That's way more beautiful than you being forced into it. Some of you might be thinking like, where is God in my life? Like, I just want him to be really strongly here and that sort of thing. To some extent, like he's got to remain invisible. Like, can you imagine if God was sitting on a huge throne, like in Mona Vale, and everyone just knew that's where God was, and everyone came from all over the world to see God, right? Like, what choice do you have but to bow down and follow him? Do you know what I mean? It's God, and it's obviously God. He's sitting on a throne in Mona Vale. Like, <laughs> it makes it far more beautiful when it's by faith that you just take him at his word. You just go, you know what? I believe in what you said. And I have every other option and opportunity to not do that, but I still am going to do that. That's what God wants. That's why I think he's invisible. <laughs> do you ever wonder why is God invisible? Why does he show himself? I think that all the time. But I feel like it's far more beautiful that we would not be coerced, manipulated, or forced into anything other than what our heart genuinely desires. Does that make sense? And there's more to it than that, of course. But anyway, so let's keep moving. So then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Jesus got hungry too. He was just like us. You would be hungry as well. Um, and the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. So Jesus goes into the desert, following the Spirit. God led him here, and he knows that. He's, he's trusting that God knows what he's talking about. Does that make sense? It looks like and feels like he's in the exact opposite place of where he's meant to be. Does that make sense? Lonely, dry, no food, nothing dying, his body would be shutting down to some extent. If you live sensual, if you live by feelings, you'd be like, God, where are you? Was Jesus like that? To any degree. In the, I'm not sure if you've read this chapter before, but not at all. Not at all. And he says he fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights, right? And then the tempter came to him. What are you laughing at? I'm just laughing that he took him 40 days to get hungry. <laughs> That's a good word. <laughs> That's so good. 
I appreciate more comments like that. Um, no, that's good. <laughs> so good. Um, but you notice that the devil came to tempt him at the end of the 40 days. So what Jesus is doing here is he's fulfilling what Israel, the people of God, could not do. They were led in the desert for 40 years and grumbled and complained and lived through their eyesight rather than their faith sight the entire time until finally God led them into the promised land. They failed. They, were, they complained about food raining on them. Just like, I'm so sick of this food raining on me. Are you kidding me? You're in the desert. You would die if it didn't rain food. Do you get that? And like, oh, I wish I had some salt or something. They're literally complaining about the flavor. No, like they're actually, I don't know. But we can kind of get that as well, right? Like complaining, just like living sensual. I'm hungry. I'm tired. Where's God? Jesus is like 40 days in. He's just like, yeah, I'm hungry. But he's trusting in God, right? So the devil came at the end of the 40 days. I think the devil knew that Jesus was going to do a 40-day fast. That's why he came to him at the end, because he thought this is where Jesus would be his weakest. Does that make sense? The devil is a prowling lion looking for people whom he may devour. He can't devour everyone, but he's looking for people whom he may devour. He sees Jesus. He goes, this guy's hungry, tired, exhausted in the desert by himself. He's got no chance. And for most people, he'd probably be right because we live so sensual and so reliant on the flesh and on, on the physical body to actually even live and hold faith and live the Christian life that as soon as temptation will come in when we're tired, do you guys know what I mean? When you're tired, you're just like you're so easily tempted, right? I wonder why. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's the enemy. He's waiting for you to be at your weakest point and then kicks you while you're down. Like no mercy. He doesn't play nice. That's what Jackson says. It's true. Does not play nice. No mercy. He's waiting for you to get to that point of weakness. But you can turn your greatest point of weakness into your greatest point of strength if you do it through faith, which is what Jesus is doing here. So, And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written. Underline that. It is written. Please underline that. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, underline that, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Wow. Okay. The devil tries three different things against Jesus, right? Three different temptations. Jesus passes all of them with flying colors. Not a surprise there, but it's not because he's God and he has some sort of special power that he's going to ignore all temptation. The Bible says he was tempted in every single way that we were. So every way that you've been tempted, he's been tempted, but he walked through it by faith. So we can do the same thing, right? Does that make sense? 
There's always a way out of temptation. That's another Bible verse. Anyway, um, the first temptation is an identity attack. If you are the son of God, prove it. And the devil will come after you with the same thing. Or if you are a Christian, why are you dot, dot, dot. If you are a Christian, if you are a son of God, as you supposedly say, why haven't you healed someone? Why haven't you seen your prayer answered? If you, if you are a son of God, if you are a child of God, if you are in God's family, why aren't you going up and loving that person right now? And what he's trying to get you to do is work for who you are. Does that make sense? Rather than you know who you are. Huge difference. The difference, actually. If the devil can make Jesus turn these stones into bread, which I don't think would be a bad thing, but because he's doing it to prove to the devil who he thinks he is, or who he knows he is, sorry, that would be bad. <laughs> because now you're working for who you're trying to be, for who you know you are to be. Does that make sense? Making that clear? That's similar to what I was saying before about how Paul starts his letters with telling you who you are rather than do this, 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 and this. This is what a normal Christian life looks like. Yada, 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 yada. By the way, the cross did da, 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 da. It's always the opposite. You've got to start with knowing who you are. Otherwise, you'll end up in works, in religion. Um, it's, it's inevitable. You can't escape it. You have to, like I struggled with this literally for years. I actually thought God hated me. Genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, I thought God hated my guts because I was in sin. I couldn't get out of it no matter what I tried. And I was like, it seems like he's really not happy with sinners in the Bible. And I was reading like Old Testament stuff. I wasn't reading much about Jesus. I don't know why. <laughs> Probably should have. But um, I genuinely thought he hated me. And, I, and no matter how hard I worked, I couldn't get out of it. I literally could not get out of it. And you, and you will find that if you are stuck in sin right now, if you're stuck in habits, if you're stuck in bad ways of living, bad ways of thinking, you can't work yourself out of it and please don't try. It will make it worse. You'll get tired and then you'll throw the whole thing out the window. And then whenever someone comes back to you in a year and says, hey, Jesus, you'll be like, nah, dude, I tried that. It didn't work. He hates me. Okay, I've just settled on that. All right, I can't do it. I can't live a Christian life. You've got to start with, no, I am a son or a daughter of God and he loves me and nothing can separate me from his love. I'm struggling with this, but I'm still a son. I'm still forgiven. I'm still saved. I'm still with him. He's still in me. He knows my heart. He knows how much I'm struggling. He will empower me to do it. He gives me grace to do that. See the difference rather than, man, I keep looking at porn or I keep, you know, like getting high on the weekends or whatever, whatever it is. Start with knowing who you are. Start with that. It literally, I've seen it change so many people's lives, knowing who they are. And just so you know, you're righteous, you're beautiful, you're forgiven, you're clean, you're royalty. And if you don't believe that, hopefully after this talk, you'll have the faith to believe that. <laughs> awesome. Let's keep going. Then the next um, temptation, the devil takes him up to the holy city and sets him on a pinnacle on the temple 
and says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself from here because, and this is crazy, the devil quotes scripture to Jesus. Does that make sense? <laughs> he memorized it. He knew it. He didn't carry around the scroll of Psalms everywhere he went and said, it apparently says here, blah, blah, blah. He knew it. The devil knows the word, studies the word, actually also believes the word. Doesn't agree with it. I mean, sorry, doesn't disagree with it. He believes the word. Nothing in there he doesn't agree with. But he's lost and he's dead and he's got no chance of coming back because he can't receive the word. That makes sense? You can literally know this whole thing back to front and quote it to me. I don't care. Who cares? Pharisees could do that. They're the ones who put Jesus on the cross. You have to receive it for yourself. Does that make sense? If you don't receive it, you will never see it. There's a huge, huge, huge difference between theologically God loves me and God, you love me. Do you feel a difference in that? It's night and day. They are not in the same category, although you're saying the exact same words. It's literally the heart behind it. And that's all that counts. Wow. Otherwise you'll be, you literally can join the enemy's kingdom because he knows the word really, really well, probably better than all of us. He's been doing this for thousands of years. He's probably got it memorized and whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> they probably all do. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, what's interesting is that he does quote scripture to Jesus and Jesus once again, and by the way, I forgot to say this in the first one, what was, they said about Jesus, I've never seen someone speak with so much authority. That's what people said about Jesus when he spoke. What was Jesus' authority? It is written. It is written. Remember, he's in the desert. His body is shutting down. He's so hungry. He's really tired. He's being tempted by not just some demon, the king of demons, whatever. <laughs> it's not easy. But what does he do? It's so simple. I know what you're saying to me. But God said, da, 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 and just quote scripture. Doesn't say anything else. Quote scripture. That was, his, that was his rock. That was his security. That was his identity. That was his power when he was being tempted. That's, that is faith. And it's not just quoting it because you know the verse. It's there's something hit you in your life. That's really quite difficult. I'm not saying this is easy. But I'm saying it's simple. You just, you believe God. I just feel like we just, we just don't believe God with so many different things. We read scripture and we go, Jesus couldn't have meant that next chapter. He meant what he said. He said what he meant. He didn't make it hard. He made it simple. It is written. That's why I said underline that because that, that to me that is faith, 100%. And that's, that's how you'll have peace with this topic of faith. You won't have peace if you start declaring things out loud, speaking it with a loud voice and doing all this stuff without knowing it is written. You have to know it is written. You have to know that you've you got your faith in God. You just trust Him. Like if, if your father said something to you, I don't know, what's an example? I'll come to your birthday party. I've got to work today, but I will come to my, your birthday party this afternoon. And you trust him 
that's faith in your dad, right? <laughs> it's just simple. My dad said he's going to be here. Don't worry, he'll be here soon. It's not hard. Yeah. Am I making that clear? Yeah. Is that simple? Yeah. It is really simple, isn't it? Don't get overwhelmed with this stuff. It's not worth it. You'll literally spiral out of control in your mind and you won't know what to do. Mm. And you'll be like, don't talk to me about faith, Nate. I'm seriously sick of that topic. That means you believed a lie somewhere along the way. 100%. Because God doesn't overwhelm you with stuff that you can't handle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Awesome. Let's keep going. Um, oh, this is cool. Actually, should I hit that now? Let's go to the next one, actually. I'll come back to that one. The third temptation. So the first temptation was an identity attack. The second temptation was also an identity attack, but using scripture. So it sounded holy and sounded right. And because it also is right, but it was twisted. Do you get that? The, the Bible verses that the Satan quoted were 100% true and God did speak them. But they were taken out of context and twisted to make an unfruitful, unholy, unrighteous thing happen. Jesus having to prove himself. So you can, you, can really, you can take really any verse out of the Bible, out of context, and throw it at someone, preach it at someone. It doesn't make it right. <laughs> You've got to know the whole thing. Don't just know little bits and pieces to defend your own argument. You know what I mean? So, um, first one, identity attack. Second one, identity attack with scripture. Third one. This one is funny. And, and also, look at this. The devil's trying one, didn't work. What did he do? Try another one. Didn't work. Try another one. He'll just bait you with whatever you're going to bite. Is that what you guys are laughing at? I thought it was me. <laughs> um, every week that cat comes in, it's so funny. Maybe I'm drawing. Oh yeah, true, true. Maybe she just wants to hear about Jesus. Possible. Preach the gospel to all creation, right? <laughs> um, okay. The third one, you guys notice how the temptations, they change, right? So if, if God can't tempt you with uh, alcohol, he'll tempt you with money. Sorry, did I say God tempt you? I meant, wow, okay, caught that. <laughs> if the devil will tempt you with that, you know what I'm trying to say. He'll go to something else until you bite. And once you've bitten, then he knows your weakness. And it... guys on the recording are like, what's going on? It's just a cat, everyone. It's just a cat. It's all good. No, that's fine. I like it. It's, it's yeah. Anyway. It's a zoo. Okay, <laughs> um, let's get back on track. Yeah. So, he'll, he'll keep baiting you. I'm using the analogy of like fishing, right? He'll just keep throwing out a different bait until you bite it and then if you bite it then he knows what you suck at and what your weakness is and he'll smash you in that regard until you find faith in it and Jesus help me get it out and then you, and then you say no to it. Does that make sense? He'll, he'll just keep trying different things. He'll try, every, I reckon he'll try every card in the book on your life. He'll try money, he'll try sex, he'll try relationships, he'll try what, what I don't care what it is. It could be anything. But he'll just keep going until you bite. The idea is not to bite, ever. <laughs> and how do you do that? It is written. That's it. It is written. Da-da-da-da-da. 
That's why you should know your Bible. Don't get condemned if you don't, if you're new to this stuff. Just get in it and just read it. God will actually lead you to the things that you need in this current season. He does that to me all the time. I read back on like what I was reading a year ago. I'm like, I don't even really understand what this was. But back in the day, this was like my lifeblood. <laughs> it was keeping me going. He'll do that. Just say, God, what do you want me to read? And then just flip to something and see if it's right. <laughs> That's what I do usually. Um, and it works though. So it's good. All right. Uh, <laughs> next one. The last, the last temptation... It's kind of funny because Satan's just like, oh, I got nothing. I tried, I tried identity. I tried scripture. Didn't work. I'm just going to throw everything at him and see if it hits. <laughs> so he throws the world at him. Jesus, do you want the world? Do you want the kingdoms and their glory? Do you want to rule over them? And do you want to have riches and wealth and fame and fortune and an amazing life? That's the last thing that the devil throws at him. And Jesus is pretty sick of it by this point. And he says, get away from me, Satan. And once again, it is written some verse from Deuteronomy. <laughs> how, how incredible is that? That he, all Jesus needed, those three verses that Jesus quoted back to the devil were all from Deuteronomy, like an early book in the Old Testament, which we probably don't really know that well. But that's all Jesus needed to survive the most incredible temptation ever. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, I don't think anyone here has been offered the world. Anyone here been offered the world yet? <laughs> and all its glory. <laughs> I haven't. But I don't know if I would have quoted Deuteronomy to it if it was offered to me. Do you know what I mean? But Jesus did. Because it is written. He trusted God. He didn't let what he saw and what was offered to him overcome. It is written. Trusting in God. Ah, all right. Uh, yeah, okay. That'll do for that for now. I'll come back to the end of it in a second. I want to hit three things that stop us from trusting in God. And these are big things and we probably all do them. Wow, time flies. Sorry, guys. Let's just keep going though. Um, <laughs> I thought we were like 10 minutes in. We're like 50 minutes in. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, if you're writing notes, please write these down because they'll be really, really helpful. So, you ready? Trust God, not feelings. Trust God, not feelings. These three things I'm going to name, they war against your faith. They don't want you to have faith. They want you to trust them, have faith in them. But you need to have faith in God. You need to have such a faith in God that no matter where you open up to, let's just pick up, let's go really bad. I'm just going to pick a random verse. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Wow, that's pretty relevant. <laughs> wow. God, God has a sense of humor. I did not plan that. I promise. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> but you get the idea, right? Open to anywhere in the word. Even a genealogy. Even somewhere that's just like, this cannot be God. It's God. It's in there. It's scripture. It's true. With his word, he created the entire universe, right? He created the entire universe by speaking. And it says, Jesus holds together the entire universe right now by the power of his word. 
Whoa. Mars is held together right now by the power of Jesus' word. Same as Pluto. They all are. <laughs> all the planets, all the stars, everything. This room, by the power of his word, it's, it's literally that powerful. Who here believes that? Yeah? It's, it's, it's hard to believe only because we've been trained to think this is reality. The people around me, the way we think, our culture, this fashion, this industry, this, this timeline. You realize every single culture, every single age thinks differently. And we look back 50 years later and we go, what were we thinking back then? Everyone today in, in, third, in, um, in the first world looks back on slavery two, 200 years ago, not even, and goes, what were we thinking? Calling black people not even human, not even including them in the human species. No one here is going, yeah, that sounds about right. Literally everyone in this room is just like, that is ridiculous. But we will do the same for what we believe now. We will. So don't go ahead with what the culture is saying and what our society holds as values. Go with it is written. Does that make sense? Go with it is written. That stuff will change. It always does. It never ends. It just goes on and on and on. Every single generation thinks, oh, we found it. We've got the answer. We know how everything works in life. Congratulations, us. Dude, literally every generation before you thought the exact same thing. What makes you any, any different? Anyway, I'm getting distracted again, but it's good. Um, okay, trust God, not feelings. Who here believes, according to scripture, according to what they know about God, that God loves them? Yeah? Everyone. I'm hoping so anyway. If you don't know that, he loves you so much. So, so, so much. You have no idea how much he loves you. But... What does it matter if you don't feel love? Like if you believe it, that you are so loved by God and nothing can separate you from His love and His love is who He is and He is love, what does it matter that you don't feel loved? We so let that get to us, don't we? Come on. <laughs> I don't feel warm and fuzzy. So what? You are so loved. And God didn't prove it to you by giving you a feeling. He proved it to you by putting his son on a tree in your place. That's how you know you are loved. It's settled. It's done. That happened. Move on. You are loved. Don't go searching for the feeling. Oh, I finally feel like God loves me. I'm all for that. <laughs> if you feel that way, by the way, that you feel like God loves you. I'm not about, I'm not anti-feelings. Just don't make them in the place of God. God loves you. So what does it matter if you don't feel loved? God says you're beautiful and royalty. So what does it matter if you don't feel like you're beautiful and royal? What does it matter? You just have to know you are. Exactly. 100%. It's faith. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to get at. But the... <laughs> Thanks, Sim. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? That, that, that would, I would, I'll put this word on that. That would be sensuality. Does that make sense? Sensuality. Living by your senses. Yeah, but I don't feel, Nate. I don't feel him ever. So what? Seriously, you've got to get over that. Your life will change when you, when you move past that. Oh, I don't need to feel him anymore. We have a very sensual culture. I don't really know why 
but we, we are very, very essential. We're always searching after experiences. We have huge FOMO when there's two parties going on at one time. That experience, this experience, oh, which one do I go to? We just want to experience and feel and just be involved and encapsulated by and immersed in. That's how you've been taught to think. That's how you've been raised to think. That's how you've naturally, if you just follow your flesh, that's exactly how you're going to think. That's how everyone thinks. I just do whatever makes me feel good, right? And so then you bring that into Christianity and it doesn't work because you don't always have the feelings. And that makes it so much better. I'm telling you, I literally, I had a pretty hectic weekend because I was moving house and it was so, physically it was really draining and I was just like over it by the end. And then today as well, I'd already planned on fasting. So I fasted all day as well. Um, and I was so tired and drained and I was getting smashed by temptation. I always do. I knew when I started this, this teaching that I would get smashed by temptation and I have every single week. I knew it. You have to. You really do have to. If you're going to get strong in the gospel and strong in who you are, you've got to go through temptation and say no. It's resistance training, right? When you're training your muscles, you need resistance. The, more, the greater the resistance, the greater breakthrough with your muscles, right? So the greater resistance against you, when you try to stand in faith and say, no, it is written, the stronger you get when you say no, devil, it is written. That's what I'm standing on. That makes you strong. That makes you so much stronger than God, give me the feeling of your presence right now. God, just come into this room. Give me your, like, I just want to feel your presence. Cool. I want to feel his presence too. But what I want more is to know him. And I know him through faith. And faith is against, sorry, faith is not feelings. It's not against feelings. It's just not feelings. Does that make sense? So many of us just, ah. Uh, I feel like I could say so much on this topic. It is a huge, huge topic. But we've got to stop looking at life through our eyes, which might sound weird, because faith is um, hope in what you have not seen. So you can't get what you have not seen by seeing. Does that make sense? If you're constantly seeing, evaluating, analyzing, but the world works like this, blah, 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 and never opening your faith eye, and looking through that perspective, like, like all the kingdoms access through faith, all of it. It's, it's literally you going, and faith is not a work. Faith is I'm trusting in you, God. It's actually a rest once you get faith, once you understand faith. It's seriously a rest. I have stuff on my, on my body right now that's just not good. I want it to go. I want to be healed from it. And I, I got caught in the trap of just being like, declaring, Jesus' name, I am healed. And it was just slowly draining me. That's partially why, like I told you that story last week about I broke my phone and I was just like over life. <laughs> that was partially it. I was just like, I've been declaring, asking for things for so long and it's just not happened. It was draining me, man. Seriously draining me. But then God showed me, no, Nath, your faith is in what you're saying, not in me. If your faith is in me, you'd be at rest 24-7. Who wants to be at rest 24-7? That means literally in the most hectic work environment, bosses screaming at you, bills piling up on you, like uh, whatever else you can imagine that would overwhelm your mind or overwhelm your body or whatever, you could be at rest because it is written. It is written, I have peace. Romans 5.1, I have peace with God because I've been justified through faith. I'm not going to go searching for this feeling of peace. I have peace. See how faith brings that alive? Previously, that verse was maybe dead to some of you. 
But now, if you, if, you let, if, you, if you start to believe it and fix your eyes on it, fixing your eyes on what's not seen, you don't see it. I don't see it. Half the time I don't see peace, but I have peace. My heart's calm. I'm solid. Without sounding arrogant, in my mind, I'm like mostly untouchable. <laughs> that sounds so weird, but that's actually how I feel every single day. And it's not a boast. I'm not trying to boast. I'm not. I'm just saying that's available for people. You can be thrown thing after thing in your mind. And don't compare yourself to me. I'm just saying. It's a thing that you. It's a thing that you can have. An untouchable, unrockable mind. Your mind is built. Uh, sorry, your heart and your faith is built on this rock foundation. No matter what's thrown at you, you just hit back with "It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written." Just keep hitting back at it. Eventually the devil gives up, you know. He, he does leave at the end of this. He doesn't just hang around with Jesus. He leaves and he waits for an opportune time. He'll leave, but he'll watch your life. He'll watch and see what you do, what you value, how you speak, how you think, what you're listening to, who you're listening to, who you're hanging out with, what you're doing on the weekend, what you're doing when no one else is watching, what you're doing on your phone. He's watching. He's just waiting for an opportune time, a foothold, if that makes sense. Awesome. Next one. Trust God, not feelings. Next one. Trust God, not experiences. These are that's similar to feelings, but it's got history behind it, right? I've grown up. I've lived my life in a certain way. This is normal to me. And therefore, there's no way that what God says about that in my life could ever be true. For example, Matthew 6, Jesus says, what does he say? I'm just going to quickly read it so I don't misquote it. Um, Matthew 6. Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Stop there. That's saying God knows that you have physical needs. Food, clothing, housing, shelter, whatever, etc. He knows that you need them all. And, he, and Jesus is saying he clothes um, nature and creatures. He gives them food. Why would he not give you food? That's what he's saying, right? But then we go, yeah, but haven't people died from starvation who were believing in God, right? And we start to let that experience speak louder than Jesus' voice. Does that make sense? And we start to go, yeah, but what about my, fa my family? Like, I didn't have food or clothing for ages. Like, we went through huge, like, uh, like poverty for a while. Like, how can Jesus say that? And we start to let that, it gets really loud in our, in our, in our heart. I mean, sometimes we let it overpower scripture. We don't, let it, we don't let scripture overpower us in the way that we think. Like, who's right, God or us? 
That's really what it comes down to at the end of the day, isn't it? Like, and what about money as well? Surely everyone here has had like um, worries about money at some point, right? I'm pretty sure it's universal. <laughs> it, it, I'm pretty sure it is. Like, yeah, <laughs> amen. Um, if you have been struggling with, with debt and not earning enough money and businesses failing and all that sort of stuff and you read this verse, you're going to be forced into saying, I don't think Jesus meant that. That's what you'll do. I've seen people do that and it breaks my heart. It's like, it's, are you sure? Because it really sounds like that's what he means. It sounds like he's going to give you what you need. Do you believe that? <laughs> do you know what I mean? But our history speaks so loud sometimes. That's why it's just, we need to renew our, our thinking and, and change the way we think. Repent, right? <laughs> change the way we think. I used to stress about money, but that's before I met Jesus and I realized that me believing in God, He's going to give me all that I need. Always. He, do, he does it to birds. Isn't He going to do it to me? That means I can actually sleep easy the rest of my life with money, right? It should mean that. <laughs> that you can actually sleep easy. That you don't even have to worry about how many kids you're going to have because it, oh, it requires this much amount of money. Or what house are you going to get? God will provide. He provides. We go, no, like I've got to make a portfolio. I've got to get some experience. I've got to build my business up. I've got a superannuation. Like, that's making it complex. Making it simple is, I believe that God is going to look after me because he said so. That's faith. It's a very simple way of thinking, just hard to do because we're so used to how we've been thinking our entire lives. And we need to change the way we think. We now have the mind of Christ. We have access to His thoughts. We can think like Him. What was He thinking when He said this? Well, we have that mind. We can understand it. We can, we can think like Jesus, you know? Be free in our minds. Um, I could say a lot more about that as well, but I won't for the time. Last one. Trust God, not our own wisdom. Trust God not our own wisdom. We're in the first world. We know a lot. We have all been to school. We have, most of us, maybe majority here, have probably been to or are going to go to university. In other countries, that is absolutely unheard of. The amount of information that we have is incredible we are more informed than any other generation that has ever lived we are bombarded with information constantly on our phones and social media every single day that we've made really high filters we got really high filters for what's real and what's not that's why so many people are um seeking after a real faith you know what i mean something real i just want is it real then give it to me if it's not don't want it i've got so much other crap being bombarded at me people preaching their causes at me i don't know what to believe i just want something real you know it's good um, the reason I bring that up, we're in the first world. We've been really highly educated in a worldly standard. We've been taught to think, which is a really good thing. Don't ever hear me say that's the wrong thing. We've been taught to think and how to think and how to make arguments and how to get really in-depth and complex and whatever, that sometimes we take it too far and we overthink. And then we lose the simplicity that's in Christ because the... 
oh, it can't be that simple, right? <laughs> and we start analyzing our situation. Yeah, I know God said that about like providing for me and thing, but what about, you know, Psalm chapter seven, verse one? Like, what about that? Like, it just, and it's not bad to do that. But what I'm saying is you're trying to overthink things, overanalyze, like use your own wisdom rather than it is written. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to say don't compare things to other things in the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. That you should do. But don't go crazy. You know, you know we're like in year 12. I'm not sure if you guys all been to year 12. Most of you have. Um, you, you start to get taught film techniques when you're doing English and stuff. And you get taught like what's going on in the film. And then all of a sudden the joy of the film's gone. Because it's just like, oh, that juxtaposition next to that alliteration. I'm just making up crap. But you know what I mean? And it's just like, oh, now I can't, and that camera angle and that p particular costume and it all meant this and this kind of vibe and theme. And it's just like, yeah, cool, it meant that, but did you enjoy the movie? <laughs> was, it, was it a good watch? Or were you just like analyzing costumes the whole time? You know what I mean? And I reckon we can do that with, with the word and with God. We can go, you know what? Like, it's, it can't be this simple and <laughs> just start you know, reading all these deep theological books and going crazy. And once again, they're not bad. I'm just saying, you've got to take care of your own thoughts. If you're getting overwhelmed with anything, that's not God's will for you. I truly believe that. The depth of my heart. And I get overwhelmed easily with thought stuff. Like my, my mind is like my best asset, but my greatest weakness as well. If the devil can get in there and start throwing different scriptures at me to try and make me think a different way, I crumble. I seriously just crumble. So I watch that in my life. I, w I watch the overwhelming radar in my head. How overwhelmed am I right now? Am I really just like, okay, I've got to step back because it's not God. I've, I've definitely believed a lie somewhere along this point. I've got to figure out what it is. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. Exactly. Perfect verse. Um, Proverbs 3, 5, look it up. Say again, sorry? Come on, man. See, Holy Spirit knew. He knew. <laughs> so good. Yeah, look, like, that, that's, that, that's it. Like, it says the wisdom of man is the foolishness of God, right? Like, even the wisest of all human beings and all their incredible arguments that could like really school you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people that could literally run circles around you with mathematics and physics and science and all these different debates. They could completely school you with that stuff. That's the foolishness of God. The highest point of humans is the lowest point of God. Not even. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, and you can never, ever think your way into Jesus. It's not possible. You have to receive your way into Jesus. Write that one down. It's a good word. You can never think your way into Jesus. You have to receive Jesus. More often than not, you guys are searching for an answer you already have. You just need faith to apply to it. Because literally, if you believed that God loved you as much as the Bible says that he does, and you, if that's all you believed about God in the Bible, that would be enough to change your entire world. Why? You wouldn't go searching for love from other people because you already have it. You wouldn't go searching for identity because you already have that. 
You want to go searching for something to do to feel fulfilled because you are fulfilled. Because he's loved you and he's perfect love. And it's never going to fail and never going to end and you're never going to be removed from it. That, see, see how powerful faith is? I just took that one little concept and I go, no, I believe that for myself right here today. Not in heaven, right here, right now. I believe that for myself. And faith breathes on that scripture like that. The, the scripture is already God breathed, but it's never forced on you. And you receive it by faith. By fixing your eyes on what you do not see. Because you're going to read a lot of this and be like, I don't get how that works. Good. That's a really good thing. Do you know what that means you have to do? Trust God. Seriously. Maybe you're not meant to understand every mystery at once. I struggle with this a lot. I really like understanding mysteries. And when I get a revelation on something, I'm just like, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> but maybe there's a beauty in not knowing. I mean, we, know, we can know a lot. Like God's been revealed through Jesus, right? We can know a lot about God. But maybe there's a beauty in not knowing every little thing. And maybe there's a beauty in always, maybe there's a beauty in even this book not being, uh, once you know it all, you no longer need Him. Does that make sense? Like if you had the answer to every single situation in your life, just flip to the verse, read it out, there it is. What need is there for a relationship and Holy Spirit? Like you'll, you'll read a lot of contradictory stuff in here. It's not actually contradictory, it's just knowing what to apply when. Because I reckon, I heard this a few weeks ago from a sermon and I love it. The Bible was written with the, with the intent in mind that you would have Holy Spirit with you as you read it. So at one point Jesus goes, if you don't hate your mother and father, you can't follow me. Another point he goes, honor your mother and father. Which one do you do? <laughs> um, there's heaps of them, I can't remember them right now. But there's lots of different things where it's just like, oh, Jesus goes, my kingdom's not of this world. Later on he goes, um, Father, your kingdom come to this world. It's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Paul says, like, um, put to death the flesh, right? And, you, and the, the flesh is dead. And then it says in, in Ephesians 5, make sure you take care of your flesh. It's like, sweet. Thanks for that one, Paul. <laughs> you know what I mean? But maybe there's a when for each one and a situation for each one and Holy Spirit is guiding you into each one. And that, that, therefore, there's a relationship going on there. And it's not, I know everything in the Bible now, I'm sweet. No, 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 no. You always have to humble yourself as you read this word and let the author guide you into it. Guide you into all truth. Wow. Okay, last little bit because I am definitely over time, but I do not apologize. Um, oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> um, okay, the, I, okay, literally, Jesus gave me this. I think it was this morning. I was out of it, like so out of it, so I don't remember when it was. I think it was either this morning or yesterday morning. I was in bed, I'd just woken up, and Jesus just like, say this. And I was like, oh. Okay, so I wrote it down. Um, remember how Satan quoted the scriptures to Jesus? And he said, um, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written and he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. How many of you know that that verse is true? That God will command his angels concerning you. He'll command them to help you, right? That's what it says. And on their hands, they will bear you up. They're going to hold you up. God's angels in your life. That's what it says. That's what he does. Psalm 9, that comes from Psalm 91. The whole Psalm is about your protection in God. It's incredible. Go read it. Um, 
Where's the angels <laughs> in the desert when Jesus was being tempted? Where are they? Because it says it in the word that they're going to come, right? That he will command his angels concerning you, right? So where's the angels? Where's God coming through on his promise? How many of you are in a spot like that right now? You're just like, man, God, where's the angels? Does that make sense? You're reading it. You're seeing it. You believe it. And you're not turning it into works. You're actually doing exactly what you should be doing. You're believing the word, but you're not seeing it. You're in the desert. <laughs> Iggy's liking this one. You're in the desert and you see zero evidence of God's word coming through for you right now. Okay, here's the best part. <laughs> the next little bit, last verse, verse 11. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Bam! <laughs> They came. <laughs> Legit. They were there. They, they came. God's word held true. But it came at the end of the season of tempting. Does that make sense? The second that Satan left, it was over. Bam. The angels were there and were ministering to him. Incredible. It's, it, they're both right there in the one chapter. I never realized it before. But then God showed me it and I was like, oh, damn, that's good. So I want to say to you guys tonight, the angel's coming. Does that make sense? Wherever you're at in your life, you're looking and you're longing for something to happen, God's word to come true in your life, the angels are coming. And how many know I'm talking about angels right now? I am, but I'm not. I'm talking about God's word coming to fruition in your life yeah. with whatever it is. It is coming. Hold on to it. Come on, man. Oh, this, this really little thing I got from, from Chris Fallon, it's just absolutely changed my life. You guys know where, where, where Jesus... I know I'm speaking for a while, but let's just keep going. Je Jesus, um, the disciples are trying to cast out the, the demon from the boy and they, they couldn't do it, right? This is in Matthew 17, if you want to go read it yourself. They, they've already been healing people. They've been casting out demons, healing people, and they couldn't get this one out. So it's, it's a bit of a question mark. It's just like, what's going on here? They come up to Jesus and they go, why couldn't we do it? Jesus goes, because of your little faith. And I think sometimes we hear those verses and we go, ah, oh, frick, I don't have enough faith. But at the same time, Jesus goes, if you just got a mustard seed, how many know that that's, that's a small amount? If you have a mustard seed, the mountain will jump into the sea. So which one's true? Do we not have enough faith or do we have enough faith? That this is what changed my life. Seriously. <laughs> because of your little faith, and I know I've spoken to a few, about, a few of you about this, because of your little faith, the word little is talking about time not amount because of your short faith. You started well, you believed God, but then something physical that you're watching, maybe the, the boy, because it said he had epilepsy in the story, maybe they saw him manifesting and having a seizure or something and they go, what, what's happening? Let me try. And they get in there. No, you're not, you're not doing it in Jesus' name, in Christ's name, in the holiness of God name. They'd start trying things, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean? We start trying and it's not working. Jesus goes, that's your little faith. You started well, believing in what I said about you. I gave you authority over the unclean demons, right? Unclean spirits. But then you stopped because you saw something and you gave into that and you let it rule over you. And then you submitted to that rather than to me and my words because of your little faith. So what does that mean? Hold on. Hold on with everything that you got. You're not seeing breakthrough right now with something Hold on, angels are coming.
good. That's good. Let's just, yeah. Angels are coming. Hashtag angels are coming. Let's just <laughs> gotta go and viral. Legit. Huh? Can I, can I read something? Yeah, absolutely. Just to tag on the end of that. Faith and patience are bros that inherit everything the Father promised. They must, uh, they must stick together to inherit the, the, the blessing. However, faith separated from patience, after time, on his lonesome, gets disappointed because God didn't come through for him how, it ex how, he, how he'd expected and might get all down on life until patience comes along smiling and says, Hey bro, why'd you give up? It's on its way. Then they go eat pie together and ride the bike somewhere. <laughs> Hebrews 6.12 Don't get tired in life, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Come on. 6.12 That's sick, dude. That's awesome. And on top of that as well, just to finish it off, Count it all, this is James, James 1, 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you, when you meet trials of various kinds. That's talking about being persecuted for your faith or being thrown thoughts that are not God. Being thrown stuff at you. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or perseverance. The testing of your faith, you being thrown ideas that are not God and you have to resist them and not be falling into temptation, that, that tests your faith, makes it grow stronger, and then in that, in you produces steadfastness. And then it says, and let steadfastness or perseverance have its full effect that you may be, this is crazy, perfect. No one's perfect, Nath. Jesus said they were. <laughs> it says it. It says it. <laughs> it is written. <laughs> and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete. Anyone here complete? <laughs> lacking in nothing. That's, that's God saying that. Perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. How do you get there? Steadfastness. How do you get that? Testing of your faith. How do you get that? Trials. Bam, 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 bam. Perfect. Wow. Is there a time on that though? Yeah, that's steadfastness. Perseverance. So like steadfastness. Though. Holding. Is that like your whole life or one situation oh. or like this? Yeah, good question. I, I, don't, I don't know, yeah. to be honest. Like, yeah, it could be your whole life. It could be a month. It could be, I, I can't really say. Yeah. But it's a good question. I've, I've wondered that myself. <laughs> but the idea is that it, it produces in you a strength and perseverance mm -hmm. that gets you to where you need to be. Mm. Awesome. Let's leave with that. I've gone way over time. Um, any, any questions or... Yeah, no, everyone wants to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, anything? We're all good? Jesus? Amen. Amen. Yay.